Good morning, family. Man, what a powerful time in worship. Man, Lord. I am uh, Nick. I'm a pastor on staff here. I have the awesome honor and privilege to share with you this morning from God's word. But before I do that, I want to echo with what Pastor Chris said and welcome all of our uh, VIPs in the room and online. So BT family, let's welcome our VIPs again. We appreciate We appreciate your presence here. We're grateful to God that you are here. Amen. We're glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us, and uh, we pray that uh, this worship service will be a blessing. Um, You know, we like to celebrate here at BT Church. We celebrate spiritual decisions and life change, and through the ministry of BT Church, and, and, and that does not just mean what we do in this room on Sunday mornings, but... As people go out throughout the week, uh, like Carrie said in her prayer, carrying uh, their worship and and loving Jesus where you live, work, and play, uh, that's what we mean through the ministry of BT Church, through you, not just what we do in this room, but through you all as, as we go out. We can celebrate 327 people saying yes to Jesus Christ this year. And then we can also celebrate 205 people following the Lord in the waters of baptism, declaring that they identify with Jesus Christ. They choose to follow Jesus. 205 people. We're so excited because uh, we, we have a baptism planned at our Kingsville campus this morning. And that's, that's really exciting what God is doing. We're grateful to God for that. Amen. I, 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 I was telling the team, uh, I remember the, 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 the last church I pastored, we were, we were praying, praying hard for us to baptize one person and here uh, to see what God is doing through the ministry of BT Church. I am so humbled that God would allow me to be a part of it. Uh, y'all ready for the word? All right, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we are... Continuing our series called Experiencing God, looking at what it means to experience God, Uh, it's going along with our study on Wednesday nights, and it's not too late to join us on Wednesday night. We have uh, another four weeks of of our Wednesday night study, I believe, before uh, we kick off our other fall activities. So you can can get in right now. You You can come right now. But we're continuing this series on what it means to experience God. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about obedience, everybody's favorite topic in church. To talk about obedience. People love coming to church to talk about obedience and money. That's everybody's favorite, right? No, I know. Uh, Read with me Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So we're going to preach about what it means to experience God through obedience, experiencing God through obedience. Pray with me, and, and, and then we'll preach. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. It's my prayer that for the next few minutes, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> In horse racing, there is an ongoing debate regarding which element makes the biggest difference between winning and losing. The debate is, is it the jockey or is it the horse that makes the biggest difference between winning and losing? I don't, I don't bet on horse racing. I've just, I just been reading a little bit, so don't, you know, don't judge me. Now that mega millions, amen. Yeah, I gotta pray. Yeah, I got to pray for you, your brother. We in renovation, right? Okay. No. <laughs> but the debate is, is it is it the jockey or the horse? Is it the jockey? And some people, some people say that it's the horse. They say it's the horse that makes the biggest difference. While there are other people and and in my opinion, this group of people were more compelling to me. It, it is not the horse. It is the jockey that makes the biggest difference because as the jockey, the jockey can control the pace, can control how fast the horse comes out of the gate, can control and conserve the energy of the horse, when to make a push, when to pull back. A horse just knows how to run. A bad jockey can place a great horse in a worse position, while a great jockey can place a mediocre horse in a better position. And so this ongoing race, this ongoing debate as to what's the biggest element in a, in a horse race, I, I, I think I think it's relevant to our discussion on obedience because in in a higher, greater way, many of us, we feel like we are great race horses. We, we feel like we are strong and powerful and we have the stamina and the endurance to, to make it and navigate through this life. But if we don't have the right jockey calling the shots, that makes the difference between winning and losing. And as the horse yields to the will of the jockey, that can impact how they win or lose. That, that can impact the direction of the race, even the future of the horse. You keep losing races as a horse, they, they ain't going to use you. <laughs> In a higher and greater way, how we yield to the will of God, how we obey God, it will impact not only 
if we are successful or if we fail in life, but how we obey God will impact how we actually experience God. So obedience is very important in our relationship with God. Amen. I know we don't like to talk about it. To, to us, to obey is a four-letter word. It is. Four-letter word. When we talk about God, we want to talk about L-O-V-E. We want to talk about the other four-letter word. We want to talk about love. We want to talk about grace. We want to talk about mercy. But when we talk about God, we don't like to talk about the other four-letter word. We don't like to talk about obedience. And why don't we like to talk about obedience? We'll get to that as we continue in our message because this brings us to our text. In Genesis chapter 12, we are now moving from the origins of creation and how the nations kind of got their start. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, it is, it is if God's word now begins to take a laser-like focus. God's word hones in not on the nations but on one man and and what God wants to through what God wants to do through that one man for the nations. In Genesis chapter 12, we are introduced to Abram and his call. This call is a very powerful call. It's a, it's a gracious call in, in that Abram didn't do anything to, to warrant God calling him. A, Abram didn't do anything that deserved God's call. Abram didn't do anything that would make God say, I have to invite Abram into my story. No, God invited Abram into his story because of his grace and mercy. And guess what? God does the same thing for all of us. He invites us to what he is doing, not because we are great, but because he is. And when God calls Abram, look at what he says. He says, Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And this brings me to how we experience God through obedience. Because when it comes to obedience, we have got to understand that when we obey or disobey, we are saying something about who has or who does not have control over our lives. <laughs> yeah, control. Obedience reveals who has or who does not have control over our lives. God comes to Abram and he says, Abram, I want you to leave your place. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your protection. Now, all of us under the sound of my voice this morning, if we were told, to leave our place, our people, our protection. If we were told to leave the security blankets that we have made for ourselves, <laughs> if we were told to leave behind the coping mechanisms that, that we make for ourselves, if we were told to leave behind some relationships that, that we feel are, are important to our makeup, y'all know, Y'all know that y'all might tell God no. Amen. <laughs> I might tell God no. 
I mean, God, you call, if you want me to leave my place, my people, my protection, God, you are calling me to a place of vulnerability. You are calling me to a place where, where I, in my mind, I am going to be exposed. And that is going to raise in anybody a level of anxiety and uncertainty and, <laughs> and a normal level of fear. You got to understand, in that time, your place, your people, and your father's house, that was your protection. That was, that was your place, your tribe, your clan, and your house. That, 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 was, that was who made you you. And God says, hey, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave all of that. When we disobey God, what we are saying is, God, I am in control and you are not. That's what we're saying. I know we don't think we're saying that. But that's what we're saying. I know some of y'all, I would never say that to God. Really? That's what our disobedience says. God, I am in control. You are not. Anytime we enter into relationship with God... We've got to understand that that relationship is experienced better on our end when we obey God. Amen. And I know we don't, I know we don't like this. I know, I know it, when, when you hear obey, it, it causes people to bristle, right? People are like, I ain't no dog. I don't have to obey. Here's the thing. We are creatures. God is creator. We are not on the same level when it comes to who God is. Are y'all with me? So understand if God tells us to leave something, God is not trying to exercise control over our lives to place us under his thumb, to hold us down, to suppress our joy, to stifle our identity or whatever, whatever, whatever oppressive words or harmful words that this culture throws at Christianity when, when we talk about things about obedience. But, but what is God asking of us? When he is calling us to obey. What God is asking of us is to give our lives a legitimate chance to experience all that he has for us. Because God knows when we disobey, we will receive less than what he has. God tells Adam and Eve in the garden, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day that you eat that tree, you will surely die. What is God saying? Hey, if you disobey me, you will miss out on the life that I have for you. And you can take life in your own hands and try to control it, but it will result in less than what I have for you. Are y'all with me here this morning? Don't get nervous in the service. We got two more points. But when we disobedient, when we disobey and we are disobedient, it reveals who has or who does not have control in our lives. Now, I just want to tell you this. 
God is so good and so gracious that he knows how to work in and through our mistakes and disobedience. Amen. You know what that's called? That's called good news. But here's the thing. I, I, I say this often. I, I say this to my daughter. I say this to, to young people all the time. You know, people say uh, experience is the best teacher. And I'm not a fan of that statement. I don't think experience is the best teacher. That's not. I don't want experience to teach me. Amen. Because experience will teach you with a busted lip, <laughs> a bloody nose. You feel what I'm saying? And I tell young people all the time, just, just think, if, 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 if we're at H-E-B and, and I tell you, hey, don't go down aisle five because it's, it's a spill down there. It's crazy. It's better to obey what I tell you than for you to experience it on your own. You feel what I'm saying? Right? And how many of us have walked in the things that God told us, hey, I don't want you to do that. And we took control of our own lives and walked right down the aisle where the spill was. And now we on the floor. We got busted nose, bloody eyes. Obedience, I love it. Dr. Crawford Loritz, he says this. He says, obedience is not the best teacher, but it is the only school that a fool will attend. I said, man, that's good. Experience is not the best teacher, but it's the only school that a fool will attend. You know, I think obedience is a better teacher. Obeying God in the hard times, in the uncertain times, relinquishing the control of my life to the one who created me, I believe that that's a better teacher and will result in a better experience of me with my God. This is what God calls and says to Abram, I want you to leave your people, your place, your protection. And the reason why I want you to leave all of that is because I want you to know that your past does not have control over your destiny or your future. I do. <laughs> Amen. And the more that we hold on to life in our own hands, guess what? What we're saying is we want our past to control things. I'm going to leave that alone because let's look at it. Verse 2, God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. We experience God through obedience by relinquishing the control of our lives. Humbling ourselves to follow God even when we are uncertain. Because here's the cost of obedience. The cost of obedience is trust. That's the cost of obedience. Obedient, obeying God, obedience to God comes at a cost. And what is that cost? Trust. Have y'all ever did a trust fall? Yeah. It's scary, isn't it? Especially when the people that you trust in is crazy jokers, like in BT students, amen. <laughs> trust fall is scary, right? 
You stand on the edge of something. Y'all know what it is. I'm not going to demonstrate it. You stand on the edge of something, and you, you, have to, you have to throw all of your weight into the arms of somebody else, trusting that they will catch you. Isn't that something? Trusting that they ain't going to drop you. Isn't that something? And I believe a lot of times we disobey God because we don't want to pay the cost of our trust. (laughs) God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He says all of this, and, and I believe Abram has to pay the cost of his trust. Because how do you have a great name back in those days? Much like in this day, you have a great name. Because of your family's name. You have a great name because of your family's accomplishments. You, you have, amen, some of y'all like Pastor Nick, I don't know, you don't know my, the people with my name, amen. <laughs> no, your name means something. Your name means something. But your name means more when you trust God with it. Are you with me? I don't care how your past has gone. I don't care what people in your bloodline under. I don't care how trifling your grandfather was and your grandmother was. I don't care how crazy your, your parents are. When you trust God with your life and walk in obedience, God says, I know how to take care of your name. Amen. This is why, honestly, I don't worry about my reputation. I don't. I don't worry about my reputation. Now, if I was disobedient, I might worry about my reputation. I'll never forget it. My wife, we, we've been married, we'll be married this month for 18 years. Praise the name of God. You might not remember this, Nikki. You might not remember this, but we were in a restaurant. We were eating. I think it was Olive Garden. I still remember it. And this lady came up to me. And she was like, oh, I remember you. I saw you out with my friend so-and-so. And I looked at that lady. I said, you didn't see me. <laughs> I said, I know you ain't see me. And we had just got out of church, so my wife didn't cut her. So, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, no, that was you. You were with my friend. I said, ma'am. I, <laughs> lady, <laughs> you did not see me. I was growing my locks then, they were were shorter, but but I didn't have to worry about my reputation. Why? Because I know I wasn't walking in disobedience. I wasn't sweating another. I finished my Isle of God in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Here it is, because when, when we walk in obedience, when we pay the cost of trusting God with our obedience, guess what? God is responsible for everything. Do you see that? Look, look at God. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. God says, I'm on the hook for all of this, Abram. Just walk in obedience to me. 
In Genesis chapter 11, we are introduced to a group of people who say to themselves, let us all come together and let us build a tower to heaven, to the gate of heaven. Let us make a great name for ourselves. And how did that turn out for the people? The scripture says that God looked down. He saw the people building. They built a great and high, a great high tower that was reaching out to heaven. The problem was they were building on their own terms trusting in their own strength, wanting to build their own name, and God scattered them. God removed them from the land. He scattered them. And here in Genesis chapter 12, God said, you know those jokers in Genesis chapter 11, they wanted to make a name for themselves. Abram, you don't even have to, you don't even have to worry about that. Walk in obedience to me. I will make your name great. The cost of our obedience is trust. But the cost of our disobedience is greater. The cost of our disobedience is that we miss out on what God wants to do. It's not that God is going to change his plan. It's not that God's plan is not going to come to pass. God is God. He does not need us, but he chooses to include us. And and if God invites you to something, why do you want to miss out on that invitation? The cost of our disobedience is that we miss out. The cost of our disobedience is we have a negative experience with our God. But when we trust God, even when things are uncertain, when we trust God, even when sacrifice is required, when we trust God, even when relationships are severed, when we trust God, with the most intimate details of our lives and choose to walk in obedience to him in those areas. When we trust God with that, obedience will always result in a blessing far beyond what we can ask, dream, or imagine. You see, God tells Abram, he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave your people, your place, and your protection, to the land that I will show you. Now, hear me. Sometimes we disobey because, yes, when, we, when we're dealing with God, we know God is telling us something, but we don't have all the details that we want. I didn't say that we don't have all the details that we need. I said we don't have all the details that we want. Are you with me? God speaks clearly. Yes, God is mysterious, but God speaks clearly. Clearly, he speaks clearly. And even though Abraham did not know where God wanted him to go, Abraham had no definitive destination at this point. Abram didn't. What he did have was a clear word from God about who would lead him and who he had to leave. Uh-oh, that'll preach right there. See, see, this is what I believe. I believe, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that when we disobey God, it's really not as complex as we make it seem. Yes, it ain't as complex as we make. Like, we, we may not know where God has taken us, but we know where God wants to take us from. Lord, have mercy. 
You may not know who God wants you to marry, but you know who he wants you to leave. Well, not, not if you married already. Okay, you got to fix that. Some of y'all are like, yeah, Pastor, I done prayed. I done heard him. I'm ready. <laughs> but notice, notice this. Abram, he does not know exactly where he's going. He knows who will show him. God says, Abram, leave to the land. I'll show you. I will show you. Abram is not clear on the destination. He is clear on who is leading him, and he is clear on who he needs to leave. Amen. And I believe that when we experience God through our obedience, here it is. Clarity comes not before we obey. Clarity comes as we obey. Are y'all with me? I'm going to say that again. When we experience God through obedience, clarity comes not before we obey. Clarity comes as we obey. I, I, I love being a dad. I, being a dad has, has probably shaped uh, my relationship with God and, and, and helped me understand grace and mercy and helped me understand how God looks at me with an with a unconditional love. I, I, I love being a dad. And sometimes, you know, I will, I will tell my daughter, I'll say, come here from the other room. And she'll say, huh? And growing up, they told us, if you can huh, you can hear, right? If you say huh, you heard me. If you can huh, you can hear. I'll say, come here. And then she'll say, sometimes, daddy, what do you need? Now, see, we, you know, I'm trying this new parenting style they talk about. I didn't have that luxury growing up. I'm going to just tell you. I didn't, I didn't, but, you know, we learned. We done learned. We done read some books and I had some parenting, and they call it gentle parenting. I would have gently been, you know, chocolates are made for that response. Like, what do you need? That, that's what I need. I got it now. I don't need it. <laughs> But she'll say, what do you need? And I'll say, I need you to come here. Like, that's what I need. And my daughter's gotten used to me. She responds to me like that because sometimes I will call her just because I don't want nothing, just because I want to see her and I want to get a kiss on the cheek. That's why. You know, you ain't going to be on devices all day in my house and not see me. Amen. That's another, forgive me. I'm just rambling. I'm going to just, let me park right here, though. Let's park right here. Hey, parents, you pay the internet. You pay for the device. If you don't see your kids, that ain't on them. That's on you. You really, you really know what I'm saying? Sometimes even if we're in the same room, on our, we, we together. Like, see your children. All right. But y'all with me? Seriously. Amen. And if they don't want to come, unplug the router in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what the plug for. But clarity does not come before we obey. Clarity comes as we obey. Notice this. God says, Abram, 
I want you to leave your people, your place, your protection. I want you to go to the place that I will show you. Well, where am I going, God? Leave first. A lot of us, we are asking God, God, what do you have next for me? And God has said, what have I called you to leave? (laughs) You won't know what's next until you leave where I'm telling you now. Are you with me? And so when we, when we look at this, God is clear. He was clear at go. But notice what Abram does. Verse 4. I'm not making any of this up. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Praise God. Uh-oh. And Lot went with him. <laughs> Hold on. Didn't God say leave your place, your people, your protection? You see that? Abram just did what a lot of us do. We, we say this to God. We say, God, okay, I'm going to do what you said to do. I'm going to do what you want, God. I'm going to do what you said. I'm just going to do it my way. Have you ever been there where you partially obeyed God? Amen. You, you did what God told you to do, but you, but you added a little something extra on it. That that is what we see right now in Abram's life. God was clear. God was clear. He said, leave your people, leave your place, leave your protection. He said, leave your family and your kindred. And I know some people talk about, well, uh, Lot's father, Haran, he died. And so Abram, he he is taking the place as the patriarch of the family. And so he has to look after Lot and everything like that. And I understand the customs of that day. But but as we continue to read the book of Genesis, it, it, it appears that Lot going with Abram was not a good thing because so much commotion comes when we partially obey God. Are you with me? Our number one responsibility in life is to obey God. Well, what, are, what is my family going to think? Well, what are they going to think? Well, how is this going to be? Oh, what oh, oh. Abram partially obeys God. When God was clear enough, hear me, I'm not, I'm not going to sell you I'm not going to sell you a false dream. I I admit that God can be and he is very mysterious. He is. But even in all of the mystery of God, here he is. He is very clear. Are you with me? The mystery of God, it does not cancel out the clarity of God. I'm going to say that again because we got... The mystery of God does not cancel out the clarity of God. What do you mean, Pastor Nick? When we talk about God's design for humanity and human sexuality, that that is clear throughout the Scriptures. It it is clear and consistent throughout the Scriptures. When we talk about God's plan for marriage, that is clear throughout the Scriptures. Yes, God is mysterious, but that is clear. When we look at the Scriptures and And we ask ourselves, how can men be saved? How can we be in right relationship with God? That is clear and consistent throughout the scriptures that it is Jesus. Are you with me? And so when we disobey, 
what we are also doing is we are denying the clarity of God. And I want to say this, God has spoken and God is clear. And the beauty of obedience is this, that God invites us into his beautiful mission and beautiful plan. And obedience to the believer, obedience to a follower of Jesus Christ, it should not be a great drudgery, but it should be great joy. How do you know this, Pastor Nick? Because early Christians, when they talked about obedience, they, they, they sang songs about it. They didn't. They didn't lament the fact that they had to obey God. They sang great songs about it. And and how were Christians, the early Christians, able to sing songs about obedience? Well, it, it, it deals with the promise of God that God made to Abraham because he says to Abraham, I will make you a blessing. I will make you a blessing. He didn't just say, I will bless you. He said, Abram, I'm going to make you a blessing. How are you going to make Abram a blessing? Because through Abram, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. Abram was not only a recipient of the blessing of God, he was supposed to be a channel. And this is important. Our obedience does not just impact our lives, it impacts the lives of the people we are connected to. And here's the thing. You don't know everybody that God wants to bless through you. I don't know. Are y'all with me? What's so good about the good news of the gospel is this, Jesus Christ, he eventually comes through the line of Abram. And Jesus is the reason why when we talk about obedience, we can talk about obedience with joy, not drudgery. Jesus is the reason why we can talk about obedience more than we can talk about our mistakes. We can talk about obedience more than we can talk about our fear because God is not asking of us what he is not willing to do himself. Are you with me? The early church would look at the life of Jesus, his, his life, his, his death, his resurrection, and they would sing songs about it. They would sing songs about it, get real excited about the obedience of Christ. And so many times we, we want to imitate Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, you know. How many of y'all say that? Oh, if I could just be like Jesus. Okay. If you want to be like Jesus, obey. Martin Luther said, it is not the extraordinary walk of Jesus that we should imitate. The extraordinary walk like walking on water. Everybody want to walk on water and do the crazy miraculous. He says, it is the ordinary walk of Jesus that we should imitate. And the ordinary walk of Jesus is his life of obedience and total submission to the will of the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he walked in obedience because he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, when we look at Jesus, that that should fuel our obedience. Flip flip with me to Philippians. I don't want y'all to think I make this up. I got to go. We got to go. In Philippians chapter 2, a great song and him of the early church. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, 
who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Jesus, as he walked this earth in obedience to the Father, guess what? He surrendered his control. What God asks of us, he displays for us. Jesus surrendered control. Look, look at it with me. It says, instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming what? It's in your Bible. What does it say? Praise God for all three and a half of y'all reading your Bible. By, <laughs> by becoming what? By becoming what? By becoming what? You want to be like Jesus? Become obedient. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Jesus relinquished control. Jesus paid the cost on the cross for our disobedience. He paid the cost. And and guess what? That, That cost was paid that fuels our obedience in the present day. This is why we can sing about it and rejoice about the fact that God invites us to follow him wherever he's leading. Then we get some clarity for this reason. God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's our clarity. Why are we obedient? Because Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The early church, they they talked about obedience. And what fueled their obedience was the obedience of Christ. That that produced in them, and it should produce in us, a great joy. Verse 12, and then I'm done. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. Paul says, hey, We're singing about the obedience of Jesus Christ. Hey, guess what? Because of his obedience, we can walk in obedience. The way that we experience God through obedience is to surrender our control, to pay the cost of our trust, and to walk in the clarity that he gives us in the moment. That's how we experience God. Through our obedience. And that is possible because of, here's the fourth C, it's not in the notes. That's possible because of connection. (laughs) It's possible because of connection. If we're disconnected from God, we're going to look at obedience to God like it is a curse versus a blessing. Obedience to God is life. Are you with me? It's life. The the boundaries that God gives, they they, they are life-giving. God is not out to set us back. God is out to set us free. But without a connection to God, we won't ever 
experience that. So this morning, my Bible's closed, but I want to give I want to give somebody an opportunity to connect with God right now. Connect with God by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I feel like I'm a I'm a I'm a strong horse. I'm a I'm a great horse. I make a terrible jockey. And, and this morning, you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. You're ready to trust him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask us all to bow our head and close our eyes. And I want to lead us in this prayer. This prayer is not a magic formula, but this prayer is it's a confession of our faith. And according to the word of God, it says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We trust the word of God. And so this prayer is our expression of us calling on the name of the Lord. So if you're ready to trust Jesus this morning, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm lost. I need to be found. I'm ready to walk in obedience to your will. So today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life, and I believe that he is my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me first. In Jesus' name, amen.